delight to be preaching to you today on this passage, one of my absolute favourite passages, a really rich passage for us. And as we start to look at this passage in Exodus uh, chapter 33, um, I just wanted to ask one question of you, one question, and it's the question on this little card that you might have got as you came in. And um, it's written there just at the top, and it's so tiny that it's almost imperceptible, which was deliberate. And the question that is on the top of this card is this question here. What's at the centre? What's at the centre? We're going to explore that question together this morning. We're going to look at Exodus 33 to do that. We have these phrases in English uh, that we use often. Uh, We have a phrase like, for example, she has a heart of gold. Right? She has a heart of gold. At the centre of her is goodness, life. If you cut him down the middle, we say, you'll find goodness all the way through. You heard that phrase? We cut him down the middle, we'll find, I don't know, kindness or generosity all the way through. Or in the negative, he was rotten to the core. So let me ask you this question. What's at the centre of your life? That's the question we're going to be exploring together this morning. Let me pray and then we'll dive in, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your kindness to us and your goodness. We thank you that you are the living God who, just as you were present with Moses, so you are now through Jesus Christ and your spirit present here with us. May we know your presence with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So the Bible picks up this theme of the centre, what's at the centre of the person, quite a lot. And it speaks about that using the language of the heart. The heart is the centre of who you are. It's the power source from which everything else comes. If a person was a car, the heart would be the engine and the steering wheel. If a person were a fire, then the heart would be the white hot centre of that fire. The heart is the operating system of your phone, if you like. So what is your heart? What is the centre? Every now and again, you get to see someone's centre, don't you? Or you might get to see your own. It's like there's lots of the time where we focus on the kind of external stuff, the stuff that we do, the stuff that we say, the performance. When you introduce yourself to someone, you ask them what their job is, you know, what your role is, what your title is. There's all that stuff. But then every now and again, you get to see beyond all of that, don't you? You see others for who they really are. Every now and again, something reveals what's on the inside at the center. Sometimes you have a person in your life and you thought that you knew them. You ever had this experience? You thought that you knew them. Maybe you had somebody in your life that you thought, well, I kind of get on with them. They're a nice enough person, but I wouldn't sort of call them a good friend. And then something happens in your life. Maybe a loss or a difficult time, a challenge. And it's this individual is the one who comes and knocks on the door at two o'clock in the morning to see if you're okay. It's this one who sends you that text message in the middle of the night, or it's this one who cooks that meal and brings it round and drops it off. It's this one who, week after week, day after day, month after month, is there, relied upon. Have you ever had that experience? And it's like, for that moment, you saw what's really within. You saw their centre, a heart of gold. Here's another phrase to add to the other ones. They say, don't they, you find out who your real friends are, right? You find out who your real friends are. That's what's going on, isn't it? In those strange moments, in those difficult moments maybe, those particular moments of our lives, the character, the core is revealed. Some people you never expected to be brave demonstrate extraordinary courage in those moments. 
Some people you'd never expect to speak a word of kindness, seek you out, and they send you a message of life. Why? Because their core, at their core, their center, there's something going on. And in this passage this morning, there's a moment, there's a moment, and that moment reveals something about Moses' center, about Moses' core. We get to see in this passage the heart of Moses' life, the center of his life, his operating system at the center of his, of his existence. And I should say, by the way, as I said at the start, this is an incredibly rich passage, Exodus 33. We've been journeying through Exodus. The whole of Exodus really are full of these incredibly rich moments. But Exodus 33 particularly, and there are sermons that could be written and sermons that have been written and theses that have been written and could be written on Exodus 33. But I want to focus just on one particular part of this passage. I'm not going to even try today to try and capture everything that's going on here and all the words, the particularities of the language that's used in this passage. I just want to pick up on one particular string. This moment where we see Moses' heart, his character, come through. So, I want you to read with me verse 1, 2, 3, uh, and then we're going to jump ahead a little bit, and we're going to go to uh, verse 13. So, 1 to 3, the Lord said to Moses, if you've got your Bibles open, uh, there's Bibles around the place, grab a Bible. So, Exodus 33, 1 to 3, the Lord said to Moses, leave this place... You and the people you brought up out of Egypt and go to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites, all the other people, in other words, who currently live in that land. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. But, God says, but, verse 3, I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. So what's going on? So God has taken the Israelites out of Egypt. He's rescued them from slavery in Egypt. He's brought them into the desert and he's promised to take them to this land. So they're not yet there yet. They're sort of between things. They're between Egypt and they're between the promised land that God has promised to give to his people. Can you hear me, brother? Is this on? Oh, I've had that on mute the whole time. Just shout. Someone shout. Okay. So there's the, the land that God's taken them from and the land he's taken them to, and they're between those two things. And God is speaking to Moses here. And if we remember the story, Exodus 32, the Israelites have built a golden calf. So they took the gold that God gave them from Egypt and they melted it down and they built this golden calf. And instead of worshipping God, their saviour, their creator and their friend, they worshipped this golden calf because it felt like God had been absent. And God is not happy with this because God knows that if we don't get that worship right, then everything else falls apart. And so God is reminding them, you've got a fundamental problem here, Israel. But God gives Israel this kind of offer in verses 1 to 3. And what God says to them in verses 1 to 3 is, I will continue to take you on the journey that I promised to take you on. I will do what I said I would do because I'm faithful. So I will, I've rescued you from Egypt and I will give you the land that I promised. And more than that, I'm going to send an angel who's going to go ahead of you and he's going to destroy all of the people of that land. You can have the land for yourself and it's going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, it's going to be a beautiful land, a rich land, a land just for you. Everything you ever dreamed of is going to be in this land. But, God says, but I will not go with you. You can have the angel, but it won't be me. I will not go with you. That's the offer that's on the table. That's what God says to Israel. You can go, you can have everything I promised, but I won't go with you. If, if you like, you can have the gift but not the giver. That's what God offers. And then we jump ahead a little bit, and we're going to jump ahead to verse 13, 14. Moses is speaking to God in the tent, and we're told that Moses speaks to God face to face. In other words, very, very close, very sort of intimate relationship Moses has with God, close to God. 
And Moses says to God, God, show me your ways. And, and the Lord replied, God replied, verse 14, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with all your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What's going on here? God says to Moses, verse 14, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Now, it seems like at first what God is doing is sort of going back on his earlier deal. He's kind of saying, actually, Moses, because of the way you've spoken to me, because of your love for me, I will, I will go with you into the land. My presence will go with you. But scholars look at this, and it doesn't seem to quite make sense to read it that way. That pronoun, you, uh, scholars seem to think, and it's not clear in the Hebrew, but seem to think that he's referring to Moses, singular. So God is saying to Moses, you know, I've said to the Israelites, I'm not going to go with the Israelites, but Moses, I want you to know, because of your relationship with me, I will go with you, Moses. So I'm not going to go with the people, I will go with you. That's the deal on the table. And Moses says what to God? Verse 15. If your presence does not go with us, Amazing, isn't it? God says, I'll go with you, Moses. And Moses says, no, 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 God. If your presence does not go with us, the people, we will not go. We will not go. Do not send us up from here. What is Moses saying to God? God's offer is, Moses, you can have it all. You can have everything that I promised you, but I won't go with you. You can't have me, my presence. And Moses says, God, we don't accept the offer. We don't accept the offer. If you don't go with us, we don't want all of the things that you promised us. If you are not with us, if your presence is not with us, right at the heart of who we are, then we don't want all of those things. We don't want the land flowing with milk and honey. We don't want you to wipe our enemies from the land. We don't want any of those things. We simply want you. That's what Moses speaks back to God. God, if we can't have you, we don't want the rest of it. There's a very famous preacher called Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, preached down in London, Westminster Chapel in London, Welsh uh, voice, strong voice, strong preacher. And Martin Lloyd-Jones used to take years and years and years to preach through passages like this. He would take Exodus 33 and he'd preach on a passage. He'd, t- he'd take one, one uh, verse from this passage and he'd preach on it for five weeks. So consider yourselves lucky. Uh, he would just preach on these passages and he preached very famously on these two, on these two verses here, uh, Exodus 13, Exodus 14. And uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, this strong sort of Welsh lyrical voice, he preached on this passage and he says, you know, God offered the world to Moses. God offered to send the people up. And Moses said, and he sort of hammers the pulpit, he says, we will not go. We will not go. We will not go. This lovely way. We will not go. That's what Moses says to God. Isn't that extraordinary? We will not go, God. Unless you are with us, unless you are at the heart of everything we're doing, we won't go. We don't want the gifts without the giver. We don't want the things that you can give us. We don't want success or fame or power or money or resources or energy or safety even. We want you. That's what Moses knew at his core. That's what we reveal in this moment, is revealed in this moment. At the heart of Moses, whatever's happened to him in his life, whatever's shaped him, when he comes to this moment where God offers him the world, Moses says no. What an extraordinary thing. I've um, this week met another person. This is the sort of third or fourth time this has happened to me in the last few months. 
another person whose families have been broken up because of a will. I don't know if you've come across this. Families who seem to be getting on nicely, everyone's friendly, they're not very close, but they see each other at Christmas and, you know, they send each other birthday cards and Christmas cards and all the rest of it. And then somebody, maybe a a parent or a grandparent dies and there's a will and the will is not quite what everybody thought the will was going to be. It's not being split sort of equally or something. And the family is torn apart by this reality. And and what this person was saying to me this week is, it's extraordinary the behaviour of individuals in that moment. It's like the moment revealed something truly about their heart. It was like, I thought that what we were about was family and togetherness and, you know, we were one, one body and we were one thing. And then this, this money comes into the situation. The, the, the world is sort of offered on a plate and that becomes the most significant thing. And it's like people's true heart, true reality is revealed in that moment. Do you, have, you, have you come across this? Do you recognise this? Moses is often the, offered the world on a plate. And he says, God, unless you are there, unless it's you, we don't want it. That's Moses' heart. He wants God more than anything else in the world. Popular music picks up this theme all the time. The queen of it is a a singer, songwriter, American singer, songwriter called Alicia Keys. And she writes these lyrics. She says this, some people live for the fortune. Some people live for the fame. Some people live for the power. Some people live just to play the game. Some people want it all. But I don't want nothing at all, she says, if it ain't you, baby, if it ain't you. Hand me the world, she says, on a silver platter. And what good would it be with no one to share it with, with no one who truly cares for me? And another song, she says, some people so poor, all they got is money. Diamonds, some people waste their whole life counting their thousands. I don't care, she says, what they're offering, how much gold they bring. They can't afford what I've got not even a king. All the king's horses, all the king's men came charging to get what we got. They offered the crown and they offered the throne, but I already got what I want. That's Moses. That's Moses. All the king's horses and all the king's men came charging to get what I've got. Moses chooses God. In the moment of temptation, and I use that word temptation deliberately because what Moses is foreshadowing here is Jesus Christ who goes into the desert after his baptism and when the devil offers Jesus the world you can be lord of the world you can be savior of the world you can do what God intended for you to do you can fulfill your purpose you can fulfill your vocation and your ministry you just don't get God you get me instead Jesus says no and this time instead of carrying the weight of Israel upon his shoulders Jesus carries the weight of the whole world upon his shoulders and it's a decision Jesus's decision to put God before everything else that would change the whole world. Jesus, the greater Moses. Without your presence, God, it's nothing. We will not go. We will not go. I said a few weeks ago that um, I believe that we are called as a church to make God the main character of our story. That this might be a place, that we might be a people who increasingly this reality is becoming true of us. That when we are offered the world, we simply want God and nothing else. We don't want God's benefits. We don't want God's gifts unless God is right at the heart of everything that we are doing. And I believe that's what we're seeing in this passage, that same invitation to us. That God might be at the centre of everything. The temptation for us as a church will always be to rush on ahead and to grab hold of the blessings, the land flowing with milk and honey. You know, a bigger church, 
a more impactful church, a growing church, a sexier church, a visionary church, whatever it might be. And we forget the center. We forget the center. The center that's at the heart of Moses' life. What really must be at the center of everything we're doing and everything we are is God's presence with us. I think it's what we're each invited into and I think it's what we're invited into as a church. And this brings me on to the cards. So, and have we got something up on the screen as well? Steve, yeah. So we're going to go on a little journey together as a church for 40 weeks. And the church is all of us. The church isn't me, the church isn't the staff team or Maeve or anything else. The church is all of us. We're the church together. So it's a journey for all of us, every one of us, young and old. And it's interesting in this passage, when Moses meets with God face to face, Joshua, the young servant, is standing outside, young and old, all together. And we're going to go on a journey of opening ourselves up to God so that God might increasingly become the centre of our lives. Now, when I came into this role, I thought to myself, you know, there's so many things that we at St. Nick's could be doing. You know, there's great activity. There's so much to be done in the city. There's so much need. Um, There's so much healing that needs to be done. All the rest of it. And I thought, you know, we could crack on with all of those things. But what if instead of, before we cracked on with all of those things, we spent time as a church, as a community, seeking God together, of worshipping and praying. So we're going to do that as a church together. We're going to take 40 weeks from around now to around about August next year, so the start of the new academic year next year, 2024, we're going to take 40 weeks simply to be the church, which means to pray and to worship God together. We're going to pray, worship and love for 40 weeks. In that time, we're not going to start anything new. We're not going to start any missional activities or new missional projects. So don't worry if you're worried that, you know, week five I'm going to come and say, actually, I thought I've got this really good idea. We're going to put a bouncy castle out in the market square and we're going to go with that, okay? And I'm going to, I need 101 volunteers, okay? I'm not, we're, we're not. We're going to commit to this for 40 weeks together. I'm going to commit to it and I invite you to commit to it too. And I thought 40 weeks because if the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years, as we'll come to a bit later in Exodus, and if Jesus did 40 days, we could do 40 weeks, right? We can do 40 weeks together. So that's what we're going to do. And the goal is for these 40 weeks that at the centre, we might increasingly become three things, dependent on God, expectant for God, and changed by God. Is that on a slide, Steve? You might just have to flick through as you hear me say these things. And what I'm going to do is, over the next three weeks, I'm going to unpack what I mean by these three words. Dependent on God, expectant for God, changed by God. That these three things might be at the centre of who we are. So that's the journey that we're going to go on together. And you might be asking, you know, well, what do I do now? What's for me? Uh, What effect does this have on me? Well, what we've got on these cards is, um, this is just a reminder to you that this is our thing, our 40 weeks. And on the back, there's something called a QR code. And if you scan that on your phone, that will take you to the website, to the church website. And we've got a 40 weeks website page. And on there is information. And we're going to be adding to that over the next three weeks as I talk through these three words as to ways in which you might want to get involved in the 40 weeks together. And there's three sort of areas that you might to think about your life as to how you would get involved in these 40 weeks. And these three areas are you as an individual, so that's me, The second one is, is this on the screen, Steve? The second one is church, and the second one is our circles. Me is about what's at the centre of my life. Second thing is, what's at the centre of our church, our life together at St Nick's? And the third one is, what's at the centre of our circles? In other words, our friendship groups, our families, our clubs, our societies, our teams, our SGGs, 
inside the church and outside the church? What's at the centre of those things? And so over the next 40 weeks, we're going to keep coming back to this. I'm going to be asking that question, what's at the centre of those things for you? And how can it, might it be that increasingly you go on a journey that God might become the centre of your life as an individual, of our life here as a church, and of our life in our groups, our small groups, our families, our friendship groups, our marriages, etc. So that's what we're going to be doing. And it's a 40 weeks. We haven't got to unpack everything today. We haven't got to get it sorted today. If you're thinking, I don't quite know what this means or what this looks like or how I get involved, don't panic. Uh, we're going to be talking about it particularly over the next three weeks and then for 40 weeks to come. So I'm going to pray in just a moment. And as we start this 40 weeks um, together, uh, and like I say, I'll come back to it over the next three weeks. So we'll keep coming back to this. Hold on to this card. If you want to look up the QR code and find out a little bit more information, uh, you can do that there. But I'm going to pray in just a moment. And as I finish to say that on the front of this card is this, this question, what's at the centre? We really believe that that's the most important question anybody can ask in their lives. The most important question. Because your centre drives who you are. And when that moment comes, it will reveal what your centre really is. We believe that Jesus is the best answer to that question. That at the centre of your life, of all the things you could put there, money, wealth, fame, power... At the centre of it all might be Jesus Christ. And if he is at the centre, if he is at the centre, then you, the gift is with you and the giver is with you as well. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this is such a rich passage and we've only been able to touch the surface. We thank you for Moses' faith that simply foreshadows the faith of Jesus Christ who loved us so much that he went into the desert and he chose for our sake not the glory, not the show, not the power but he chose the way of the cross that we might have life and life to the full. We thank you for him and we pray that in our individual lives, in our lives as a church, in our friendship groups, our families, our marriages, our SGGs and our teams, you, Lord God, might be at the centre. It's not an insignificant thing, Lord, to commit ourselves to this for 40 weeks. And so over the next few weeks, as you speak to us and ask us what it is that we might do as individuals and as a church, would you be kind and gracious to us and speak really clearly, we pray. Mm -hmm.